0: to the heavy hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will,
1: aka Uncle Bandwidth.
2: My name is Justin. In the future on the screens, it's the present day. <laughs> you can see all of my, my favorite faces right now, except you
1: listening at home.
2: How are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> I'm in the matrix right now. I mean, I got my cell phone, I got my Skype app. I'm I'm like 20 years ahead of myself right now in one day. This is crazy. I'm so proud. I'm like swelling
0: we're always looking to improve here at the heavy hole with quarantine we've had to flex a bit now we're we're looking at moving postcards of each other like some (laughs) kind of harry potter movie
1: i i'm still convinced that this is some sort of elaborate prank and you guys videotaped whatever i'm saying like two days ago (laughs) or something i i don't know how you did it but this is a good rib you got me
0: yeah just us going thanks for coming metal of death thanks for coming
1: (laughs) yeah i could sit there and drink beers and talk to you guys doing that as a matter of fact make that video i might need it in a week or two when things get really long
0: i would love to make a soundboard that our listeners could make their own episodes with and take us out of (laughs) contact oh sure what they can come up with or
2: allegedly prank your favorite restaurant you know by just being
1: respectful of their time and their menu yeah make it all work uh, create your own adventure time yeah and then they could then they could then they could leave that on the voicemail it would be great That would be excellent. Yeah, send, leave right. us a voicemail, Bef- man. We need it. Before yeah. we, re- yeah, yeah, we definitely need some voicemails. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, but before we get too far ahead with the technology and everything, man, in the future, how was your weekend, guys? Somebody start me off.
0: Uh, I'll start off. Yeah, get it. Uh, so it's my birthday today. Happy, so birthday. So Happy birthday, Tom. Thanks, guys. I'm celebrating by drinking beer like I've been doing every other day. I haven't been spiraling into alcoholism, but I've been throwing a few back. So today, my sister offered to cut my hair, or rather I asked her to, and she said okay. And she never cut any guy's hair before, so I told her what what I wanted, and my appreciation for the art of cutting men's hair has now skyrocketed. <laughs> when,
1: when I no, went
0: to look at myself in the mirror, I looked kind of like... um a mix of like a member of soil work and <laughs> Carl from slingblade like it oh, was wow it was not good wow so oh my Damn. Um, I don't even know I've never had something like that in my head before I actually regret not taking pictures I just went outside and shaved it into a mohawk fit so a I that fit yeah I it. was
1: gonna say for the listeners you're wearing a, a backwards baseball cap right now on my Skype app I can see that <laughs> let me let me show you Alright, alright, that's cool, that's cool Oh, this isn't too bad
2: Yeah, no. Sling Blade Goes Punk, I like it Shout out to Billy Bob, great movie Yeah, there <laughs> you go you are very aerodynamic right now It's not, And you got height Yes, I still have my height
1: I look like at Troll Doll <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, because I had a very, like, uh, grizzly, Viking-like beard Up until about two hours ago That I just sheared off of my face today uh, After, like, two weeks in, in social isolation uh, I'm going to be continue to be socially isolated. I'm just not going to look like it as much now. But I, I yeah. noticed, Justin, you didn't go that route. Oh, no. I, I'm letting my
2: full inner white trash on the outside this uh, <laughs> this quarantine. Um, Allegedly. Yeah, got my Alan Jackson shirt on, you know what I mean? Just, uh, and handlebar. And you fucking
1: <laughs> take my mustache yes. and
2: put it on some sort of lowrider rider motorcycle or something like that. But probably a lawnmower, you know, it'd be more like it. This guy's I, got the
1: superstar Billy Graham
0: handlebar going. <laughs> I feel like we, Justin and I, with the looks we have going right now, we could be staff at um, Joe
2: Exotic's Zoo down in Oklahoma there. Dude. <laughs> yeah, with the with whatever bleach I have left in my hair, I was watching that show and being like, you know, this guy is very silly looking until I walked past the mirror and, <laughs> and saw myself and been like,
1: I've, I've, that's what I've become. I've become it. So that's you yeah. You're, wait a minute. I'm looking at you now. Did you do this all on purpose, man? Nah, this guy. My this is like yeah, the Long Island Joe Exotic. My
2: head grows in all white trash like that already. So yeah, like,
1: Joe 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 Mastic over here. There it is. I'm about to
2: sawzall the uh, the back of my Jeep Cherokee make that shit into a pickup truck and get really real with it.
1: I'll bring my Jeep oh, wow. over next.
2: All right, we'll, we'll, we'll do them both. Chop it. We'll up. Have a heavy hole. Heavy whole fleet.
0: <laughs> Besides chopping your beard, what's um what's going on this week? What have well, you been doing? I, I know you've been I building did, shit around your house. Yeah.
1: yeah, I've been doing a little bit of light light carpentry and landscaping. Where I laid down some grass seed the other day uh, and watered it in where there's a huge dirt patch in the yard. Exciting suburban things I do. Um, when the Long Island death metal scene is not popping due to the uh, ongoing pandemic, unfortunately. But... Uh, I've um, I've exhausted my ability to build my cat furniture. Um, the cat's fine. He doesn't even use the thing I was talking about that I was all proud of that episode. <laughs>
0: I'm he's, sorry, man.
1: He's actually, uh, he's literally got, he's got the box uh, that we bought, like, cat food in, and he sits in that. Like, it's, like, stereotypical. You build something for the cat, he just sits in the cardboard box. But it's all good. I've been minding my time watching... Um, professional wrestling documentaries and shoots mainly i told you guys i was into that heroes of wccw uh documentary absolutely um I, i've been going deep on this old school uh nwa stuff uh, back to the territories i gotta say too we talked about dark side of the ring a little bit didn't we yeah Did we, we mentioned up? we mentioned that last time yeah i watched that benoit episode oh my god now yeah i yeah intense um yep. I got to say, though, and I normally don't bring up the wrestling thing so much on the podcast, but this was intense. Uh, Jim Cornette, big fan of the Jim Cornette podcast myself. He had Kevin Sullivan on uh, for an interview, an in-depth, serious interview about um, the whole Dark Side of the Ring episode where he was kind of... uh, I don't know if you want to say character assassinated, but they didn't do Kevin Sullivan in a, in a nice light on that uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode. So Kevin Sullivan kind of has rebuttal. <clears throat> anybody, I'm losing a lot of our listeners right now, but for that Venn diagram intersection of, of pro wrestling fans and heavy hole fans, check out that um, that Kevin Sullivan interview Jim Cornette did. I was really enthralled by that, and it got me down this kind of like pro wrestling vintage documentary wormhole. You know, I didn't do the Joe Exotic thing yet. I didn't watch that. But. It's all right, man.
2: It's not going anywhere. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, good. Good look on that. I look forward to to hearing that because yeah, they didn't. They could have. Uh, they could have given Kevin Sullivan a little bit more of a a fair shake in, in that. I feel like you know. But hey, listen, it's it's a cult adjacent, you know, if you will. Uh, there's there's a dark story there, um, much like the dark music we talk about on this podcast. Pro wrestling, man. Uh, I'll never, I'll never have you not bring it up. <laughs> Never not ask you about
1: it. It's, it's always adjacent, man. So and exciting. yeah, Kev- Kevin Sullivan, very death metal, very well, very black metal, actually, man. Kevin Sullivan, kind of like the uh, sarcophago of pro wrestling. Oh wow! You know, there you mm-hmm. go. In that eighties, 80s, eighties 80s pre-like primitive black metal, you know, mind state. Um,
0: well, well, you're bringing this up, and it's uh, pretty adjacent there to the conversation with the documentaries. Did I just steal your Segway? I just thought about that.
1: I'm sorry. No, I I sanitized the Segway and left it on your front porch for you to use because I'm trying to be thoughtful. Thank you very okay? much. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly, man. We've all been, uh, you know, well, a lot of us have been holed up in the house, spending more. Even if you got, you're still going to work, and you're fortunate enough to have your job. People are still spending more time at home, regardless. We're watching documentaries. I don't do the Netflix uh, Netflix things so much. I got YouTube or whatever. Um, and, and and we thought maybe we'd talk to the listeners today And we'd have a little conversation about some metal-themed documentaries That we've been watching Ruth. So, if you're interested in watching these I wouldn't say spoiler alert But we're going to be talking about, I
0: guess, some parts of these mm-hmm. documentaries that we watch yeah. Kind of talk about the parts we, we thought were interesting And you should watch these documentaries, too As most of them are either Or one of them's free And then the other ones are like $2.99 to rent Totally worth yeah. it
1: Yeah, um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll get into that, man and um, we're not going to be talking about um, the Headbanger's Journey today. Great um, great series. Uh, a lot of respect uh, for that, man. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about the Slave to the Grind documentary, which is uh, doing very well right now, I understand. Good documentary. We're going to try to talk about some stuff that hasn't really come to light as much uh, lately and been part of the discussion, man. Try to maybe bring you some stuff that, um, that you didn't know about, because I know I, I wasn't really familiar with the two movies you guys sent my way, right? You know? Yeah,
2: same.
0: Interesting stuff. I, I noticed that there was kind of like a um, a different point of interest within each of them. So I'm glad we picked the ones we did.
1: Yeah, uh, we all independently picked a documentary to watch and then shared it with uh, each other. And we've all watched all three documentaries before the episode um, to give you the best possible value in your content, uh, listeners. So, um, how you guys want to go? You want? One st- of you guys want to start off? I feel like um, I feel like Justin. Yours is a good place to start chronologically.
2: Yeah, let's and it's also uh, it's the shorter of the three, um, and, okay. and I and I would definitely like to spend a little more time on the philosophy kind of behind behind yours, will so like we could uh, let's let's get into it.
1: Awesome, yeah, because yours I think is probably the oldest uh, material, the yeah. oldest viewing material, yeah. So you know, like we do um,
2: when this idea came up is you know, and you guys said it beautifully before is like we're not going to hit you over the head with the most obvious, right? Uh, so, but on my search. Uh, this couldn't have the, a more obvious title, uh, so the documentary I'm going to cover tonight is called Death Metal Special 1993, a rockumentary. <laughs> it's it's on uh, YouTube. You can just find it on YouTube. Look yeah, you up, can look it up for free. It's uploaded multiple times on YouTube. Um, and man, this uh, I I loved it. I loved watching this thing, even in its most cringy moments, man. I really uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed what was going on because it it plays like a like a video art project you know um, it's like it's all you know VHS kind of style footage from 1993 and I guess what was a, a local news outlet trying to to cover uh, this phenomenon of death metal in Florida in 1993 so it opens up outside of a Slayer concert and Camera kind of pans around, and you see all these crowd, like the, the crowd, and everybody's going crazy. They're just yelling "Slayer" because that's, oh god, that's you know such a big part of the vocabulary of a Slayer fan. <laughs> um, and uh, and they get into a little bit of a, of um, talking to, I guess, the venue manager uh, of what was going on because there there was a Slayer show about to happen, and this guy kind of sets the tone of what you're about to see, and it's it's. In its essence, I feel like this is, you know, like I said, a local news produced kind of deal. This is an effort to, number one, disarm uh, the public into what they're about to view, right? That death metal is not this scary, anti-life, you know, group of people uh, in in 1993 in Florida, what they're about to talk about. That this is, uh, you know, this is an art form like anything else. These are kids out there trying to express themselves. you know, and they're taking safety uh, really seriously. And, and, you know, people just want to go and have fun and let their aggression out.
1: So immediately I'm like, okay, you know, let me sit back. I'm not going to be scared at this time. It's very nice. That, that was the guy. He had kind of like a New York accent. The, the he was like the head of security, right? The head of security. That's right. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was like he. Something he said. He was like, yeah, we, you know, we don't beat anybody up. That's on orders right from the band. He kind. Of, he reminded me of like some friends of mine's like fathers. You know what I mean? Like just like kind of like a tough like neighborhood guy from New York. He was probably like an off-duty cop or something like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, just just letting you know like that
1: that this is one of the least threatening environments that you could be in. It was also kind of random, wasn't? I mean, I'm thinking that maybe there were different uploads because I watched like the there was an interview segment with Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, where that's- they were asked they were, and and it's funny because the journalists back then they're asking Ozzy about Black Sabbath. They're asking Slayer about Dave Lombardo leaving once the new drummer was in. Like they, they, it was like you know nobody was pulling any punches. It was kind of interesting to watch. And this, you know, like I'm saying, this is cut together like a really
2: weird art like project and video class or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it it takes you from Slayer to the and they they do a little Q and A outside of of the venue where you know people are asking about Dave Lombardo. But then I thought it was great they give the mic to a kid and the kid asks Slayer the band (laughs) how many drums do you have. And he's like, do you, have, do you have one or two drums? And it was, yeah. uh, it was adorable. Uh, again, I think part of this whole PSA that they're trying to do of uh, disarming the viewer into what they're about to see. But yeah, then all of a sudden it cuts right to uh, a convention or an award show where this Ozzy Osbourne's up taking questions about Black Sabbath and how he feels. And then cuts to Dio uh, saying that, you know, he doesn't really need money. He's seen Black Sabbath because it's good. He doesn't need the money. And I'm just like, yeah, get Dio on there. Tell, him, let, tell let him tell the people how rich he is,
1: and and we'll fucking yeah. hit it. <laughs> and and then before you know it, you're listening to, like, young Luke LeMay uh, talk about death. Like, the video, it strikes me maybe as, like, somebody who had a VCR or a camcorder back in the 80s or early 90s, I guess. And just recorded anything metal-related that they came across and put it out as this documentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like it was. But yeah. it's cool. It's it's all footage that we probably wouldn't be privy to if this if whoever recorded it hadn't recorded it. So it, yeah. it is really cool, man. Uh, you know. Uh, the also there's like a interview with uh, young atheist members yeah, mm-hmm. there. There's a mm-hmm. whole thing with Scott Morris, Morris Sound Studios. I mean, really, um, really cool old <clears throat> school interviews, man. Stuff that you really can't find a lot of places. That was uh, that was kind of an interesting part it was like
2: you know when they jump to Morristown Studios I'm watching it and it's like you know Chris Barnes is mentioning it and uh, yeah you know here and there and he, he has a f- few cool things to say about like the scene in general at that time, which is like a lot of what people say about the scene of anything nowadays where oh there's like too many bands this is oversaturated you know uh, the good bands like got to rise to the top this this and that. Uh, but I was excited when they do a little bit more of a deep dive into more sound Studios, um, as uh, at, like later in the doc. It's pretty much split in half, where where the, this reporter goes down uh, to the studio and they're working on some death tracks, death bass tracks uh, down in there. And yeah,
0: yeah it's like it's
2: uh, Steve DiGiorgio, right? Was he the guy in so. the interview? I don't even know. It was kind of like you couldn't see him. It was super quick, much. yeah. But they give Scott Burns like the all the all the time in the world to kind of like give his, his take on death metal at that time, you know, and he played such a big role in it. So hearing, like, hearing footage like that uh, from, from back in the day when they're still just fucking kids was was really cool part. Uh, and going off what you said, Will, like this is, it's almost like found footage thrown together, you know what I mean? In this, in the, in this way with just uh, random tidbits of information here and there.
1: Yeah, also I think there was like a, she might have been German, so, um, a, a news reporter <laughs> on some sort of show, I think from Europe, Talking to Scott Morris on the phone uh, so that, about about was, the Deicide album he was recording. Yeah. At the time. <clears throat> yeah. So th- this is
2: this this is the same reporter and um it because it's again it's it seems to cut randomly when they go down to the studio um there's this blonde reporter and she seems so nice uh trying to to sound like she knows what she's talking about but obviously like nowhere near um what's happening so she's like oh the new Deicide like how is that. You know, uh, so is the production better? And he's like, yeah. He's like, all right. Uh, well, how's that sound like? And she's, he's like, you know, it's a little more blast over here. Kind of cool riffs. It's faster. And she's like, ah, faster. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's-
0: yeah. He's like, Glenn, Glenn's vocals are lower. I don't know her name either, but. Um, he didn't give her name. <laughs> I'm, oh, I want to give her a shout out because for someone who probably didn't know exactly what she was talking about. She seemed to have done enough research to reference the names of the albums. Yeah. She was dropping album names and stuff like that, and I was like, "Okay, that's cool." It wasn't some girl who just wanted to be in front of the camera and was looking for a uh, a cool piece to sensationalize yes. um, hysteria. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I, I I at least appreciated how she came at it
2: because how of how like ragtag this seems to be put together. When it gets to the actual reporter interview kind of deal, like she's taking it seriously. You know, she's giving it the respect. Yeah. Uh, and I, pre- I appreciated that, except for, you know, uh, especially for something that seems to be this locally produced, um, you know, piece where Ozzy's thrown in probably be at the direction of some, you know, <laughs> some uh, some producer being like, nobody knows who Morbid Angel is. But Ozzy, he's a name, you know, just cut this random oh. footage of Ozzy in there.
1: Speaking of Morbid Angel, they had uh, Richard Brunel, who was like the one of the original guitarists of Morbid Angel, who, um, who, who was only on, I think, on the first one or two albums he um they had a, a really interesting conversation with him where he talked about and this is probably back in what 91 92 he's talking about death metal's good but it's like he was talking about how it's saturated there's too many bands and the cream of the crop bands have to kind of rise up to be noticed and things and it's interesting that we're talking about probably like 30 years ago him saying that yeah. and we're kind of at a saturation point in death metal now we've talked about it on the podcast many times so it was almost like um comforting for me to see that. By the way, rest in peace to him. Uh, he, I think he just passed away um, a year or two ago. Yeah, Richard Brunel, right? Mm-hmm. Of uh, Pats of Possession, also, he was in um, after uh, Morbid Angel. But uh, yeah, it was comforting to hear him talk about um, death metal being at a saturation point. It was kind of a concern for our artist at that point, because here we are again, and it just reminds you this, the the cyclical nature of these things. You know what I mean? Um, and you gotta ride out the wave. You know, And of course, nowadays, who knows where everything's going to go?
0: Like, uh, things develop a lot quicker than they did, you know, 500 years ago and stuff with a, with a renaissance in a way. But this is, like, we are living in a death metal renaissance. Absolutely. Even though it's only 30 years. Like, the renaissance was called, like, what it is, it's like a um, it's a reappreciation for arts and culture and science all in one happening, you know, between the Roman times then the medieval ages come and shit on everything. And now you have a renaissance. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Historically, it just makes sense where, because things move so quickly, and how the music industry has changed so much, I think it's, people are appreciating more organic
2: style music. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%, man.
1: There's gotta be another side to that coin. You know, where everything gets hyper-produced and the technology steps up every six months. Not not even every year. Every six months, there's some producers that got to upgrade their software. Tom, you know better than me.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, there are industry standards that are just... uh, It's always evolving. And I I don't even think that it's a bad thing that things are hyper-produced and have crazy fidelity and that we comp the shit and replace drum sounds and stuff like that. I mean, listen to bands like Wormed and stuff. Like, those bands... Mm That, that shit is heavy as fuck. And yes, it does have a little bit of this artificial element to it, but I think it enhances what they're writing. So there is no bad style. It's what you're choosing to do. And like, it, it's, I don't know. I, I want to tie it back into what, what's being said about this oversaturation that was being claimed 30 years ago and now nothing bad has happened to the technology and all that
1: It's just how you use it oh yeah it's well it's you know it's never the technology it's it's i think what is bad has happened to maybe some people have gotten too comfortable and too reliant on it but like i said you have two sides to the coin there's um there's bands that are doing something really new and innovative with the technology and then there's bands that are kind of rejecting that like we talked with our whole maggot stomp records episode about bands kind of going back to the more primitive style Of recording and producing death metal, man, and it's it's all good, man. We we talk about all of it here,
0: Mm -hmm. right? And tying it back to what we were discussing in the documentary, we can see so many parallels to that now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, doing this show over the last um, over a year now, it's 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 put stuff like this into context for me a lot. You know what I mean? Because we, you know, we're all we're all learning, man. And the listeners might learn a thing or two, but we learn a lot too going along the way, man. That's what it's all about, you know um yep. so so Justin, yeah. you want to just remind us what what the, what what people could look for on youtube again what's that called
2: absolutely man just get on that youtube and uh you type in death metal special 1993 mm-hmm. look for look for that young luke lemay i wish i had that shirt that just said death metal special 93 because <laughs> that sounds like man that would that would be in a parking lot and that'd be fucking really sick um yeah check it out on youtube it's about 44 minutes total um and it's a great compilation uh, with insight from some heavy hitters, man, of, of that Florida death metal and, and, and beyond. Um, get it, man. You get that fucking, um, get that, uh, that, that death insight by a tree
1: uh, towards the end of it, too. So. <laughs> and can I just compliment Ozzy Osbourne on the mullet, shoulder pads, and, uh, like, knee-length coat he was wearing? It's so 80s. I mean, for the early 90s, it was so 80s. Ozzy's getup, man. He he looked he looked good. He was all right back then. man. He was probably he was he was doing the Pablo Coke back then, I guess. I don't know, but uh, he he looked all right. Allegedly, allegedly, <clears throat> all
2: right, all right. Coming out from recording that video for Changes or something like that. Yeah, is yeah. So...
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, more likely the uh, the the duet. Um, uh, who was the girl? He did was it Lita Ford? He did the duet with. Uh yeah, oh, that's t- um... yeah.
2: Shit, what is that song? Uh, it doesn't matter.
1: No, don't close, uh, don't close your eyes
2: or something like that. If
1: I close my eyes forever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beautiful song, man. Uh, I didn't even I'm look that be... up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, recruiting a uh, female death metal vocalist to cover that song next year. Look out for I, that. Yo, sick. sick. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Love that, dude. Um, keep, keep your word on that. One thing that's not alleged. Uh, Tom, you watched the movie too. I, I did, and actually, we oh. all watched it. But you recommended that we watch it. You, you you watched it first.
0: Okay, so unlike unlike the um, unlike the documentary Justin just told you about, that has information and kind of insight that's relative to the time, and it's uh, you, you know you get to see these familiar faces. I went with the opposite route, not on purpose, <laughs> just where I landed. So I watched this movie called Full Metal Village, and. I was Googling around, and I found this one, and it struck my interest because it's about the town Wacken and the effects of the Wacken Open Air Festival Mm -hmm. that it has had on
1: it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There is very little insight to how Wacken was developed in this podcast, not podcast, documentary. That I was a little upset with, but
1: it's a very quaint movie about the area that it takes place in. I um, loved it, and I intend yeah. to show it to my mother. my My mother is very vocal about um, our our shared German and Austrian heritage. Uh, you know, I guess that was a big part of her, her growing up, or whatever. So I've always had that drilled into me, and I can't wait mm-hmm. to show that to my mother. Um, because, uh, like you said, it doesn't really shed so much light on the actual metal fest, but on the town of, uh, I guess you'd say Vaken, right? Oh, yeah. Is that how it's pronounced? I I've heard both. Um, Germany, it's fucking. but you know, we're, we're yeah.
0: American. I, I, I don't yeah. think they begrudge us for saying that. <laughs> They'll begrudge um, us
1: just for being American, come on. <laughs> um, but tremendous insight into this quaint, traditional kind of farming uh, town. You know, this is <laughs> really yeah. interesting. It's like these poor, unsuspecting people. You learn a lot
0: more about farming than you do about anything metal.
2: I um, <laughs> I loved all the milk stats, like just the the checklist that you get, you know, uh, when you send your milk in to get tested, and it tells you how healthy your cow is based off of it. It was a brilliant, okay. absolutely yeah.
1: brilliant. Almost a Napoleon Dynamite kind of vibe, <laughs> going on, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so w- w- Wacken, like straight up, that town has, t- I think about three thousand people in it. Mm-hmm. It is a very small town. The only thing that has put that town on the map is the festival and they had the space to provide a festival because it's cow country the reason you've seen, everyone's seen the Wacken Open Air Festival logo and you see that big bull head and initially you're, you know the first time you see it, you're like, ah, that's pretty badass but it it has, it's taken from the region They, uh, what is it, Holstein cows I believe that's the type of cow that they have yeah, Holstein cow, which is a Mm milking cow brown and white quality cow Exactly. Let, let's put it this way. It turned out to not be such a metal documentary, but it's it's cute. It's fucking cute, man. <laughs> it's, it's a really enjoyable documentary about these few people and how they react to it. There's one point where they talk to a few elder people of the community who are concerned about Satanism and stuff like that, and these are really old people who... Keep in mind, this is 2007. This is 13 years ago. A lot of people who live in these rural areas get information pretty slow so maybe the satanic panic uh, panic hit there in (laughs) the 90s or Mm -hmm. whatever media outlet of that and not much has changed their mind as the people they see walking through their town are screaming at the top
1: of their lungs getting drunk not really a lot of incidents or anything i wish i could tell you more you you just kind of have to watch it it's like a uh you get absorbed into the like this countryside this little you know (laughs) village farming community and not all the residents are really opposed to the metal either you know what i mean there's some of them that are kind of understanding to it it's music or whatever they understand that there's like they're one of the old women she's like you know she's like well you know these this many people come to it so people must like this type of music you know and it's 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 but the negative stigma is definitely
0: the minority even in this small town yeah that was
2: interesting Oh, I was gonna say it's it's interesting, um, you know, because the, the the age of the people that they were interviewing, you know, obviously around during World War II, and the way that they were kind of like you knew that this festival was looming, and this like total influx of of foreigners were coming in. I felt that juxtaposed with the the stories of of like what it was like like wartime, kind of made this festival this, like, this bigger entity, like, looming over this town. You know what I mean? Mm. And not necessarily in a negative way, but just in, like, a, a big, impactful way. Um, yeah. that, like you said, this is, there's not much else going on in this town, and then all of a sudden there's tens of thousands of people just buying all the beer and cheese that they can get their hands on. Um, <laughs> and, and creating this huge impact. Uh, yeah, uh, I just obviously- that was interesting. Yeah. Like, these, these people are ready for battle, you know what I mean? And, like, these or at least have seen some some bad shit, and uh, a few dirty leather-clad individuals uh, aren't going to like sh- shake their resolve. You know what I mean? There's going to be yeah, another well, side of it.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it reminded me too, like like you said, with like all these people descending on this small farming community and everything. Uh, obviously, much different legacies, but it reminded me a lot of Woodstock uh in upstate new york you know another small farming community that was descended upon for this music festival because it was the you know the ideal location you could just camp out in the field or whatever obviously two completely different legacies there but i found that part of it interesting too
0: Uh, i think that parallel is totally fair music is so much more divided than it was in the 60s people are into what they're into but um fans of metal especially more like uh wacken has a lot more I'll call it mainstream metal. You know, bands like Amana Marth and Dimmu Borgir, they show up there and Creator and. uh, (laughs) Teresa's. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Teresa's, things like that. All that battle metal shit. But I think it just kind of goes to show how much people who are really fans of metal go out of their way. Because this is in the middle of fucking nowhere. And Mm -hmm. it it is like a little Woodstock. And it's, it's one of the biggest festivals in Europe. I think it has been voted the biggest festival in Europe um, a few times. It was the biggest turnout for any festival, all music. Wow.
2: Yeah. Well, wow. I, I like the the message of like hospitality. You know, they they had a meeting uh, bef- like right before the festival was about to open with all the stewards, um, all, all the people you know going to be directing traffic and, and showing people where to go, and they had the chief of police, I guess, from that from that town or the closest town, and he's like mm-hmm. he's like. He said something that was that was pretty cool. Where he he was like the attitude of of these visitors is directly related to how you greet them and the information that you share. You know, and I think of everybody traveling from from all over the world this this whole time and uh, being met with hostility or something like that. And yeah. he he kind of used that as like a rallying cry for all of his his employees or whatever to to have yet another smooth year minus incident uh, of that festival. I thought that was like. You know, amplifying this—that small-town hospitality—a
1: uh, bunch. Uh, a very yeah. logical and sound and proactive approach. Uh, not one that I think you would encounter in the United States <laughs> by the police yeah. force. <laughs> Absolutely, that's very
0: true. And no, you
1: could tell. No further comment. Allegedly, all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no. The fa- the farmers were all about it. That one guy. Um, what was his name? You Juve. The, the guy who um, the, ate really fast. Oh, yeah. He just smoked cigarettes. <laughs> just smoked. Yeah, the guy who's smoking all the time and, and ate oh, really yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. He seemed to be like a, he, he seemed to manage the whole project. He wasn't even part of the festival. He just, like, he was taking care of the land because this guy is a farmer. Um, I'm not sure if he had any rights to that land or if it was public land because they didn't, like I said, they, they could have gone into a little more information there. Yeah yeah, just watching people in action and that guy taking taking the head and getting 50 <laughs> people from the town to like, alright, we're going to clean up this area and now move to that area and make sure everyone knows where the bathrooms are
1: it was great Yeah, Was I, that I, the guy guys, who said uh, I'm sorry, was that the guy who said Um, at, at he just sits down and he's like this is the fun part of farming and he's smoking a cigarette <laughs> it's just him smoking yeah. a cigarette
0: That That's the other guy so okay, that okay. guy that guy I felt like that was kind of like, I I watched that man exist in this documentary.
2: (laughs) And I,
0: I have an affinity for what he was on about. I'm forgetting his name, but man, just him out there talking about cows. Yeah. And enjoying every puff of his cigarette. He wasn't like the other guy who was just blasting them down. He's sitting down like, this is the fun part of farming. I
1: love that. Yeah, that, that yes. was that was my favorite part of the whole movie. It reminded me of family <laughs> members of mine. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So, uh, not much else <clears throat> to be said about that. I think
0: uh, everyone should watch that. It's a fun one. I yeah. I can't stress enough that it's more of a look into the lifestyle of the people it affects. As opposed well, to an informative poc- yeah, uh, yeah, informative documentary. I keep doing
2: it. You're just dropped into that town, and and it all happens. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. Well, but- it's an informative documentary about Vakken but Vakin the town, not the yeah, metal not- fest.
2: Yeah. You know? Yes. So one th- one thing I wanted to bring up though uh, was, I mean, what did you guys think of all that garbage? Ooh. I was a
0: little disappointed. You know,
2: that's something that everybody's got to do a little bit better on. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I mean Wood- Woodstock was worse if you look oh, at the garbage that was in R- Woodstock you know the people who wanted to save the planet they kind of really
2: dropped the ball so, yeah, but they didn't, want, they didn't want to save their tents you know <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah I yeah. remember years ago um, Tom Andrew uh, and I and several of our of our Huntington friends and I uh, we went out to I think it was the rock the bells that's rock the bells is the big rap. Rap. That's that
0: Christmas one, that, yeah, 97.1, like, Hot 97. Well,
1: no, 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 no. Um, it wasn't a Hot 97 thing, I although I did go to Summer Jam, Hot 97 Summer Jam in 2005. And okay. uh, allegedly I got, um, what do they call that shit you get? Uh, the kissing disease, what do they call that? The that mo- Mono? Yeah, I got mono out of <laughs> Jersey. It's Summer Jam. Funkmaster Flex dropped a bomb on it. <laughs> um but no I no no rock the Bells was like a, a school oh, I don't think it was hot 97 because it was like old school hip hop and MF doom oh, and immortal God. technique and and that year rage Against the machine headline this is like 2008 I think or 2007 or something going back and um I just remember it was out there at uh what was it called um what do they what do they call that place uh Governor's Island is that it or something Randall's Island Randall's yeah, Island because they have the governor's ball or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Governor's Ball takes place yeah. on Randall's Island. Randall's Island is a big, big, big island, I guess, where they have these uh, these little concerts and things like that in New York City. Uh, and I remember we just like, like at one point later on in the evening, as it had been going on all day, we just looked out on this like beautiful kind of fairground area <laughs> with like three stages, and it was just garbage. It was more garbage than grass. It was just, and we had like this revelation. I guess that's what all music festivals become generally garb seas yep. of garbage i
0: hate it man and it's not like i'm not a fucking hippie dude i don't feel like i need to save the planet at all the time but like just fucking personal responsibility shit like i smoke cigarettes and i i rarely flick a cigarette on the ground i'll put it on my shoe and find, wait till i have a garbage to throw down it out so oh watching that God. was pretty gross yeah. you know throw your shit out yeah, that's sh- it.
1: shout out to all the people hocking loogies on the street and blowing their nose like you know you just cover the one nostril and blow your nose onto the street Shout out to all the people, people doing rocking. that a month into the pandemic, rolling around. <laughs> and they, they want to ask you, like, I'm going to tell you straight up, Huntington Station is a hot spot for this coronavirus. That's what they're telling us in all the news uh, resources and all that. Yep. I'm walking by myself, mm-hmm. social distancing. Don't, you know, don't worry. But I take walks for my little exercise or whatever. And, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the amount of people just blowing their nose on the street, fucking coughing, hocking loogies at the driver's side of the car everywhere, man. Nothing changed. It always went on it's still going on sad sad. but yeah people aren't gonna learn man you know what are you gonna do you're all a fucking mess out there clean that shit up clean it. everyone's every every man for himself (laughs) every man for himself at the music festival that's what over there no listen Um, all right now okay so (laughs) but those people
2: clean of the town marched in there to clean it up so beautifully
0: yes justin you're right
2: those people do take care they take pride in their property there are certain type of people. They know it comes with the territory, and uh, and it was they made the kids clean it up, which I liked. They,
0: <laughs> yeah, and they sell a lot of beer, and it helps the economy. So I guess it's just kind of like scratch scratching each other's backs.
2: Uh, yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. All right. So with that, that's Full Metal Village available. You can buy it on YouTube. I know. I'm not sure what other platforms it's available on. I only
0: saw it on YouTube. I actually just I rented. Yeah. Yeah, it's on Apple TV. I rented it. I I don't really buy shit on YouTube <clears throat> because like, I'm I'm not probably not gonna watch it again and if I do it'll probably be mm-hmm. one more time mm-hmm. and then that's cheaper than buying it
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh you can watch it on Apple TV or uh, Amazon Prime it's there for rent
1: there you go cool. something I rented um, and by the way the, the connection here as you said this uh, this Vakin documentary you watched it was a little bit more of like a um, social like Slice soci- of life. sociological anthropological, maybe, uh, type of look at the Wacken, uh town. It wasn't really a metal, but but metal was there in the atmosphere. It was about metal, but it wasn't in a way, right? Yeah, right. exactly. It's it's a slice of life for the people affected by the biggest
0: metal festival in the world.
1: Now, I feel the, the connection here between that and the movie that I chose to watch and to recommend to you guys is that Extreme Nation by Royville Productions, which is available on Vimeo. That's the movie I chose to watch. It's a documentary that um, is getting a little bit of steam now, some reviews and things like that. They have social media and all that, Extreme Nation, um, which is about metal on the Indian subcontinent, um, which involves several countries, including Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, and so on, Sri Lanka, so on. Um it's also about metal. Metal is always there, but it's more it, it has a very deep political, sociological, cultural angle to it. And I learned things about these countries and politics uh, and culture that, that, that are very far removed from metal in the course of watching this documentary. First of all, I got to shout out Hassan from Ripping Headaches Promotions down in Baltimore. Listeners can go back and check out our full episode interviewing him. He posted a link to this Extreme Nation uh, documentary on his Facebook um, a few weeks ago, and they were uh, offering this Extreme Nation documentary for free viewing, free streaming on their website. They've since um, put it up on Vimeo. two ninety nine dollars uh, buys you the rental. six. I think 666 they got cute, buys you the actual movie on Vimeo. I suggest you do it. Well worth it. Um, like I said, yeah. it, go, it goes into the, the the extreme death metal and black metal, and even into power electronics and really dark stuff. Um, uh, Scene on the Indian subcontinent, and it really um, it really takes you into a lot of the political and cultural turmoil uh, that people are experiencing in different parts of that area of the world. And uh, how, how it how it uh, bleeds into the music and how music is a refuge for some people uh, it, who are experiencing this kind of turmoil. Um, one band I think I should bring up is uh, Multinational Corporations. I believe they're from Pakistan. They are uh, obviously named after the Napalm Death song, I would imagine. They're a grindcore band. Uh, and there's a lot of bands in this that are kind of like the first band from their area. They're, I guess, the first grindcore band from their area or from Pakistan. Um They speak out against some very serious, uh, heavy topics that are in the news uh, a lot, and and it's it's well worth a watch and to listen to these guys. Uh, There's also uh, footage of an interview with a member of Millennium, who is probably, I guess, the first recording metal, extreme metal band from that area uh, in the early 90s. They're from India. Going into this, you already know that distribution in this area of the world
0: is garbage because Mm -hmm. you have so much government interference. So so much kudos to these bands for getting their stuff out there, and the fact that multinational corporation, the fact that their music is from Pakistan and they're playing it in Bangladesh.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. It's wild. That was the you know that was the band that had the biggest impact on me. This this whole uh, documentary for sure, uh, just like yeah. anti-Taliban grind music man, in Pakistan, like fucking crazy, huge balls.
1: Yeah, it was deep and it really um it's interesting because there's also you know there's kind of like your man on the street interviews with some of the, some fans outside of a gig very early on in the documentary and the guy's just kind of like you know in the news you see rape you see murder you see extortion and fuck all that and we're you know we don't want to we don't want religion we just want to be metal Th- that guy that they interviewed could have just been a guy anywhere a metal he just seemed like your average young youthful metal head you know could have been the united states in the early 90s it could have been wherever um, same mentality, same metal as a community and as a culture mentality. But then the documentary kind of uh, zooms out broadly to give you more of a cultural and a political perspective on a lot of these places. And I, you know, I'm gonna, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not the most well-educated man. I try to keep myself informed, but I learned quite a bit about this part of the world from this documentary and some of the ongoing turmoil and struggles that people are uh, facing over there. And I was amazed that in the face of all this, people still find time and energy to record underground death metal and to collect death metal records and CDs and shirts and to have shows uh, and kind of weave that into the fabric of this society and use that in some cases as a a protest mechanism. There was even like, there's interviews with, um, there's a band and the band is called Thrash. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just a genre; it's a band, and they're interviewing those guys in the middle of a of a protest against. Um, uh, I, I believe it was certain uh, certain factions of the army uh, were accused of certain uh, certain things. You can watch the movie, but yeah, they're, there's they're, a lot
0: of military control there, so um, yeah, you can see how that
1: plays out. They're interviewing the band in the middle of a street protest, you know, and that was it was amazing to me, and it made it reminded me of just kind of how comfortable. Um, I've had it in my life, in my involvement in the heavy metal scene here in New York. You know, I've never experienced any kind of like real backlash against myself just for being into heavy metal or anything like that. You know, so, yeah. Re- really uh, interesting movie.
0: One thing I kind of want to point out, and this might be a bit of a spoiler, but they talk briefly with a, a guy who works for Rolling Stone. He comes up a couple times. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're in an airport or something. Yeah. Uh, he's an Indian guy. He, he does like, I, I guess he does Rolling Stone whatever their departments are in India and their publications there but he points out how the bands over there don't have like that much to worry about because of their caste status because India is so broken up you know it's like you have the dirt poor people you have what their idea of the middle class is which is still pretty fucking poor and then you have the ultra rich and um, it's like the guy he kind of pointed out that the people in these bands like, shouldn't be
2: doing these or, or shouldn't be as angry as they are. Yeah, I got that too, man. It, because of their like financial situation or because of how tight their family is, like their family union or whatever, That they, what do they have to be angry about? I thought, right, and I wholeheartedly disagree yeah. with that guy. I thought that was so disconnected from the entire <laughs> situation.
0: Yeah, because he seemed to really informed on all the other stuff he was saying and then he says that shit and I'm just like, you know, I mean, India's pretty fucked. You know, mm-hmm. they still have a caste system today. Yeah. It's very hard to make economic gains, mm-hmm. and and um, so, so there's a lot to be angry about. Even if you're not the the lowest rung of the caste system, and you have a
1: home and all those things, you you're allowed to be angry on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting that that guy would uh, be so short-sighted as as to think, well these people have privilege, they have a comfortable life, uh, why would they be outraged that, uh, you know, if somebody else doesn't have, I mean, it's, that's, you know, I don't know, man. There's obviously, like, the idea of empathy is foreign to that guy, I guess, you know.
0: It, it was just strange because everyone seemed to be on the same page about things throughout the documentary, whereas you know, they were able, to, that, that area of the world, there's a lot of fucked up shit. Politically, there's yeah. um, yeah. so much corruption and it's right <clears throat> in your face and these bands over there are, are Pointing it out, whether it's on a religious aspect mm-hmm. or, or a, a social, economic aspect, and this guy who happens to work for Rolling Stone is like, oh well, maybe I want to keep my job in a way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's worried about his job. I, Here's the reason why I don't know about a lot of these bands. Oh well, you know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't. to which I wouldn't blame the guy if he's just trying to watch his job because I know a lot of media is censored and monitored.
1: But I mean, it's it's such a great documentary, man, and it's really it's well edited, well put together, uh, well shot. I, I mean, it, it you know, like it's easy on the eyes, it's easy on your mind, and your time constraint. You don't even realize how much time is going by watching this documentary a lot of the time. Uh, there's kind of an artistic angle I felt with some of the, with a little bit of the sim- cinematography here and there, uh, enough to keep yeah. you interested. And um, there's just so much going on. I mean, I wrote down a couple of notes. They touch on. The idea of Christianity or religious, um, spirit, you know, uh, uh, religious metal. Whether You know, they, they, they have both sides of, the, of that debate represented. Uh, vivisection and animal rights as it pertains to, uh, I guess, the culture in some places over there. And heavy metal. Um, like I said, po- all different um, political and religious and cultural struggles and conflicts that are going on over there. And it seems like the metalheads are the ones who are most... Uh, I guess over all that shit, and are you know saying um, you know we should all just you know live together and be part as one community. So it's it's more than a metal documentary. Metal is always there in the background sometimes, and you end up learning a lot. Like I said, about the culture and the politics of the Indian subcontinent, which are so complicated. Uh, to an outsider such as myself, so I I've got to recommend this extreme nation Documentary by Royville Productions. You can get it on Vimeo real cheap right now um, And learn something new about not just metal but the world and I think the fact that it was all extreme metal death metal black metal people and you know even there's one band um, Plague threat uh, Really cool cool guys. They seemed like the coolest guys out of the whole documentary drummer was wearing a t shirt even yeah all those guys seem like really down-to-earth chill guys man and it just kind of drives it home because you feel like you're watching like your average neighborhood metalheads you know from from over over here in new york that i know from from around the block or whatever man because wherever you go it just seems like underground metalheads or underground metalheads you know i don't know maybe it draws a certain type most of the time
2: it's interesting too i, I just, one last thing about it was like um like because a lot of these not not india or pakistan necessarily but like bangladesh or sri lanka like some of these countries are still relatively new um that it i got this kind of feeling that people in these bands because it was a bit of the counterculture a bit of the underground that they felt more of a responsibility in trying to shape the culture of of their respective country um, Mm. you know in what was going on uh, to offer an alternative to any sort of um, more conservative political view or conservative religious view um, and and have like I guess lived the point of uh, you know expressing whatever you have uh, freely and it's it's something that that's more I think top of mind in less well-off countries you know what I mean uh, in people in this line of art if you will
1: yeah I you know it's, it's kind of like I look at sometimes I look at my projects and I, I want to represent Long Island or I want to represent Huntington Station in a way of um, you know, and and I guess that that's kind of just in, a, in an area where the music is still more of a new thing. You look at it as like you're representing your country or your culture uh, in heavy metal. So that's a good point. Hey, the title says a lot about it. Extreme Nation. Yeah, yeah. That the title. The more you watch the movie, the more the title hits home. I'll definitely yeah. give it that. Man. So uh, again, Extreme Nation by Royville Productions. You can look it up on Vimeo. I'm not sure if it's on other platforms, but look it up, man. Uh, and that's, that's the documentary I wanted to recommend. Man. So um, while we did recommend a lot of documentaries or at least three documentaries this evening, I was hoping maybe you guys could recommend some music. So thank you
2: guys for, uh, for watching documentaries you know, with me as well. Uh, hopefully the listeners out there, uh, you got some time on your hands, I know you do. Uh, sit down, learn something. Um, yeah, it's fun. I wanted to bring up uh, one documentary that I almost watched and that, and that I think I think you should because that's what I'm doing once we sign off here this is I'm going to put this on in the in the comfort of my own bedroom you know with maybe a plate of uh, peanut butter cookies if, if I will
1: this this guy wants to eat peanut butter cookies while i watch a documentary to decide if it's good enough for him to watch <laughs> I, like i'm the, the royal documentary taste tester or something oh no no i
2: will i will watch oh my god <laughs> i'll watch this as well do no, no problem all right. Uh, all right
1: i kid i kid i kid like like what? this like
2: like we're saying we're all in this together right so
1: <laughs> yeah. So tell me about this heavy metal documentary I can watch in the comfort of my home while I'm in this together with everyone. So this is
2: this is free on YouTube. Um, this is uh, about a 90-minute doc called "March of the Gods: Botswana Metalheads." Mm. Uh, the documentary. Okay. So so this uh, follows the heavy metal scene in, in Botswana with a spotlight on the struggle of a local band called Rust, and that's Rust with a W, a silent W.
1: Uh, Botswana uh, is in what part of the, the world? So that would be in Africa. Okay, my my bad. I believe I've watched this before. Is this the one where there's, uh, I believe, the, the drummer's nephew uh, takes over or something like that? I don't know. I'm, I, I I almost watched this, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I allegedly might have watched this, but neither of you guys can confirm that. All right. <laughs> I think I may have watched this. I could be completely off here, but uh, again, it sounds like the type of thing I'd want to get into after watching Extreme Nation. Yes. Um, just yeah. to learn about a different part of the world that is uh, joined in with me through metal, you know? That's
2: what really sparked my interest in bringing this back to my almost recommendation tonight, uh, was, yeah, kind of deep diving into what's going on in other parts of the world that. Tom like you said before don't have really the distribution outlets yet you know mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's nice to kind of get this well rounded scope and see how the influences from, from the US and Europe uh, have kind of trickled into to these other parts of the world and see how these um, these new metalheads are kind of taking the ball and running with it
1: I'm, I'm almost going to thank you for recommending that <laughs> since you almost watched it <laughs> <laughs> no I, I believe I know what you're talking about man very interesting Uh, I got to go back and make sure it's the one that I watched a a few years ago, man. Good, sweet. uh, Good, good, good recommendation. Tom, you got any any that didn't make the cut that you want to talk about? I
0: I just want to give a shout out, actually, to people who do documentaries about these kind of things. There are people that want to watch them. Filmmaking and uh, music making, they're a kindred spirit. A lot of times with films like this, you just lose a lot of money, and a lot of times with Bands that we like, they're doing it for a passion and also lose a lot of money. So it's there, there's certainly a love behind it. I think it's important that this stuff is made uh, uh, ju- just like the music we talk about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and
2: there's this one documentary that I keep seeing is, is being made, and there are some teasers out there, but that's called The Growl movie i don't know if you guys have, have checked this out but you can you can see that growlmovie.com or you know uh search it on youtube or whatever but this seems to be uh tracing the, the beginnings of extreme of death metal uh, back but doing it in a little bit more of a, a well-refined well-produced sort of manner with interviews all across the board uh, and i'm kind of interested to in see where this is going and I'm sure they have a Kickstarter or something like that going on that if anybody else is as interested as I am, maybe they check it out and help the cause and go off what Tom's saying because the there's, there's not many millions in what we're doing.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, yeah, and there's, there's a lot of great uh, metal documentaries out there. Maybe if the listeners enjoyed this episode, you could recommend what you're watching to us in the social media through email and so on. Um, I know besides metal and music-related content, I've been deep-diving, like I said in the top of this episode, on the pro wrestling content. Uh, I'm 38 years old. I got into it as a kid. I don't follow pro wrestling so much after, like, 94. I'm old school. So I've been deep-diving on the NWA, the old school territories. I got to recommend—I don't know, Justin, if you're familiar. There's a YouTube channel, Original Wrestling Documentaries. Um, No, I'm I'm not— it, it, yeah, check it out, because this guy, I think he's got like 40 or 50 videos, does an in-depth documentary on like every, uh, you know, even the short-lived fly-by-night federations of the territory days. And he goes in-depth. He's got like old-school news footage and, and footage that um, is hard to come by and hard hard to see. Uh, and, some, you know, you go, sometimes you Google things like, uh, I don't want to get into it, but the infamous like, Black Saturday, which is where Vince McMahon kind of came in and strong-armed uh, the, uh, the Georgia wrestling territory or whatever. You can look that up. But there's no news footage of that, of the infamous uh, Georgia wrestling episode where Vince McMahon comes in uh, on YouTube, but he, this guy's got it in the documentary. So my, my whole point is, again, just quickly for the people who are fans of our um, podcast and Pro Wrestling, uh, that Original Wrestling Documentaries YouTube channel, um, not... Not necessarily the highest production value, but you can tell that a lot of love and attention and professionalism goes into what this guy does with the tools at his disposal. Highly recommend it. I've been kind of binging on that this week uh, when I'm not listening to death metal. So that's that's Sweet. my little recommendation, too, at the end. Sweet.
2: I have just now subscribed.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to <laughs> check it out. It gives you the rundown on all the territories and blah, blah, blah. Hell um, yeah, I'll be,
2: I'll be watching this Mid-Atlantic uh, Championship Wrestling one.
1: That, that's what I'm later. saying, man. I'm it's, it's got all. But um, before you do, before I let you guys off the hook, you got to talk about some death metal tonight with me. What's going on? You guys listen to anything new lately? Ju- Justin, have you been listening to any music at all this week, or have you been working feverishly from home?
2: You know, uh, a little bit of both, right? Um, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I can I cannot deep dive into what I've been listening to. Uh, I can tell you that um, because I was a sheltered little child, that I am very much going through all of the, the death that I can handle um, and you know uh, don't hate me because you probably wish you were me uh, listening to death a lot of it for the first time you remember that feeling You remember how good that felt when you were a kid in the 90s that's what I'm feeling right now at my
1: in, Wait the, a in, in my home and I yeah. gotta know I gotta know now just I don't judge I'm not being elitist but yeah, I gotta no know judge. what what are you listening to for the first time by death
2: so I've been working chronologically, and I have just gotten to symbolic. Wow.
1: Okay. Yes. Good so point. Good point.
2: I'm uh, I am like a pig and fucking shit right now. I love what I'm hearing. Uh, I can't wait to watch that death documentary and hear all of the terrible things about Chuck and whatnot allegedly. But I nothing
1: terrible. Nothing terrible about Chuck. Nothing Good. Terrible I about the man. A man with a vision, an artist. You know what I'm saying? I he, wish, never, did, uh, he never, never did anything bad to me. Okay. Yeah, I, I wish that I could. Um,
2: I, I wish this was in my life sooner, uh, because uh-huh. I'm, uh-huh. fucking, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's it's opening. It's it's snapping all these fucking mm-hmm. creative juices in me right now. Uh, really loving it. But I'm also been listening to the 20th Century Masters uh, Best of Edwin Starr. Not familiar. So Edwin Starr, um, he wrote the amazing song, uh, and he didn't write it for Rush Hour. It was written before that. But war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. So I've been kind of going know. through his shit as well. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, maybe, uh, maybe I'll say something
1: more later. But that—that's kind of that's—that's <laughs> that's been my
2: playlist while I, while I've been coding for the web, if you will.
1: I uh, gotta say salute to you because uh, everybody wants to act like they have the whole history of death metal tucked up in their head nowadays. Mm. Uh, me personally, I, I was a late-in-the-game death guy. I got it, like I, I've said before on the podcast, I kinda Adam Rotella kind of like blindsided me with the dead <clears throat> infection and the cryptopsy and the scattered remnants. And I was on my own to figure out like the more uh, popular metal band, the more popular death metal bands. Yeah. I got into Scream Bloody Gore and Leprosy, and then anything after that was like over my teenage head. Uh, and then later on in life, uh, I discovered, um, you know, spiritual healing, symbolic, hum- you know, the sound of perseverance, all the, the, the death albums that were a little bit more t- uh, technically advanced, I guess you could say, than the earlier material. And mm-hmm. you really, the way you're doing it, too, to go chronologically, um, I'm, I'm an unashamed, uh, unabashed Chuck Schuldner stan. I believe that that man deserves all the respect he gets, all the uh, the accolades he gets. I do believe that there may be people in the story of Death Metal who are overshadowed by him, but I don't think that that means you got to take anything away from him and what he contributed, because the man uh, contributed quite a bit for our genre. So uh, I, I salute Hell you, yeah, and I man. think anybody who's listening who hasn't gotten into the whole Death Catalog, or if you heard one album five years ago and you're like brutal pig slam stuff and you didn't like it, check it out again. Give it another chance as you get older in life because it's the de- death is the type of band that makes more sense the older you get, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I I love it, man. And like it's interesting because like, I got to human and I was like, why is this like fitting all these holes in my body? And I was a big cynic fan back in the day, so like Paul Masterball yeah. on guitar, I'm like, holy shit! Like that is just I just feel good. Nice brilliant album,
1: brilliant Thanks album. Thanks. I uh, own it on cassette, original press, just the flex. Sorry, <laughs> had to do it. Um, but but go on, go on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, that's so, good. So I, I
2: I had to go on Discogs. And you know, my uh, my my blue reissue of Spiritual Healing is is allegedly in the mail right now, so we are spend that. <laughs>
1: Yo, I'm on Skype right now. My record collection is two feet away. If you guys want to start flexing, okay? I don't care. <laughs> That's the next episode.
2: Next episode.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, but just, I, I like that. I think in the future, if we don't have a recommendation, we should be forced to give our our playlist. There you go uh, for the week. But but Tom, I think you got something to recommend. What's up?
0: Just quickly to what Justin said about him being a first time death listener. We've been friends for about 18 years now. Yeah. I think. For for most of that, we've been listening to heavy music. Yep, it just kind of shows how
2: vast this sea is. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. There's just way too much shit. I I remember seeing it too back when I was like like a kid, like when you and I were eating it up. Like every time we'd see each other, there's ten bands to talk about. Seeing a band called Death, like, nah. I'm into death metal. I'm not gonna listen to that death band. That's like way too n- hitting the nail on <laughs> the head, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. It's just it's just funny to think about that. How you can spend so much of your life listening to one thing, and it, it it's always like opening doors, whether it's here or there. Because we all have our own paths with how we listen to this shit.
1: Yeah. So, Tom, I'm, I'm, I I apologize. I just had to bring up classic NWA pro wrestling for the third time in this episode because <laughs> I saw I, I saw a parallel to the way Justin is is discovering the music of death. And I'm discovering the work of Ole Anderson. You know, we're both. Hell yeah, you know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You there know? You go. Like giants in the game, and there's always there's always some giant in the game you gotta discover. I'm sorry I interrupted you, Tom. I just had to get that, that pro wrestling reference in oh, there jammed dude. in there. Shout, big shout to Sam Sherrick. We wanna see him in the ring again after this epidemic is over. Go yes. ahead,
2: buddy. Hundred percent.
1: The sentiment
0: is um, it doesn't like it's good to know the classics, but if people don't, you shouldn't discourage them by being uh, a, a fucking asshole about it. <laughs> like, I hate that shit, because it's just, it's a lot. Um, but anyway, I'm going to talk about an album right now that I feel like should be more well-known. Will, you might know this one. Infester, To the Depths in Degradation.
1: Uh, the name rings a bell, but I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what that is off the bat. I don't, refresh my memory. Yeah, I don't know this at all.
0: Okay, so this fucking album is top-tier death metal of 1994. Mm. Possibly one of the best death metal albums I've ever heard. Great year for death metal, yeah. These oh. dudes, uh, it's a fantastic, holy shit. <laughs> Absolutely astonished with the songwriting, the production, every, every element of this is so it's it's so human so uh 1994 on mortabund records mortabund tends to focus on more black metal bands if you look at their catalog it's good shit they have they used to have Archgoat, goat sargeist uh i think judas iscariot
1: is still on there very cult label moribund is one of those labels that we should uh, talk about maybe if we do like more of a black metal uh, tomb of the lost labels mm-hmm. episode yeah
0: Quality bands um, lacking in web presence, that's for sure, because they have MySpace links to all the bands. I don't even know if. In black metal terminology, they're true. <laughs> Being on Tom's platform is very black metal. So, this album fits in well with Mordabun, though, even though it is a brutal death metal album, because it's really creepy and it's atmospheric and it's also brutal death metal. It's kind of hard to pin another band that sounds like this. It's a strange open up to the album. It sounds very old school, like typical old school riff as the first song comes in. But then you notice a change right off the bat Um, between them. A lot of qualities of it. When I say they sound brutal, it doesn't come across like slam brutal, like forced in your face. It's more like like watching a tornado from a distance. (laughs) Wow. Something that you know is bringing a lot of destruction, but still in a very theatrical way where you know you're safe from it and the only thing that's dividing you in this is it seems to be like attacking itself. like Because of how involved this
2: album is in a way. Like Twister, like the movie Twister, how it just eats itself alive at the end right there.
0: The performances are extremely human. There's no sound replacement or anything like this. This is 94 love it very raw production but something about it sounds very unhuman because the way they're attacking it and it's not because the assistance of a of a a computer or anything like that just the 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 rawness of it the vocals are just disgusting like they're when i first heard it i thought it was pitch shifter shit i don't think it is wow
1: where are these guys from did you say where they're from sorry
0: um they are from seattle washington and And this is their only full length. They had one album out. I mean, um, they had one single out before this. And that's it. And the band used to be the backup band for the Meat Shits. I don't know much about the Meat Shits, but I know that's not like... What? You know the Meat Shits?
1: I'm, I'm familiar with the legacy of the band The Meat Shits and Robert Death Deathrage. Uh, yes, we should probably talk about that on an episode one night. I will admit that I left them out uh, mistakenly by accident of our gore grind, porno grind genre breakdown episode. Uh, so I will admit that to the listeners. Yeah, The Meat Shits is a, a, a band we could have a big discussion on. Maybe we should get Adam Rotella back for that. But yeah, uh, that's that just stepped up this whole conversation about infestor a notch to me that's interesting and i was about to comment on the idea that in 1994 seattle washington uh, grunge. grunge grunge rock is like you know the big thing infestor is there doing this stuff uh and now you mentioned that they were the backup band for the meat shits this is really interesting to me i gotta check this out
0: will you're really gonna like this album uh, I don't mean to sound like a like a car salesman or a fucking TV pitch dude. Like, will you're really gonna like this album? You can fit so much damn brutal in this baby. Oh my! God. I know. I know everyone here who listens to this podcast regularly will appreciate this album. It's so interesting. It's eerie. This guy Jason Oliver, who's the vocalist and guitar player, just he gets in there and it's it's fucking creepy. It's just <laughs> creepy. This dude, uh, Dario Derna, is the drummer, and he's got this, like, weird swing going on throughout the whole album. Parts where the drums almost seem to fall apart. There's, like, a chaos, um, like, theme throughout the whole album, but then it just comes together so tight at times. So hard to put my finger on. You really (laughs) need to listen to this.
1: I want to talk about a band, a one-man project called The Wake Dead Gathering, uh, which is the man Adam Lamb is the guy, um, Adam Lamp, I believe, is the guy uh, who is responsible for all the vocals and instrumentation. I'm going to be speaking specifically about the Tenements of Ephemera. I probably mispronounced that with my Long Island accent. Uh, released from 2010, it was independently released on CD, and Dark Descent Records had uh, deals with uh the wake dead gathering to re-release some of their stuff on cassette so you can probably check it out from there if you can find it uh big shout to paulo paguntalan he turned me on to this band so you know it's 100 uh he, he actually allegedly made me a mixtape with a dub of this i'm not gonna divulge that but this is quality death metal um straightforward and brutal yet it feels like it's atmospheric uh, i can't i don't know how it I don't know. It's the magic, studio magic, I guess you call it. It's like very well produced, little touches here and there, but for the most part, it's just brutal, straightforward uh, death metal. I don't want to use the tech word, but I got to say, I'm a longtime Brutality fan, Uh, the the band Brutality from Florida. I'm a huge fan of that band, and they're known for their very regal uh, double guitar work, I gotta say there's something in the guitar work of the wake dead gathering uh, on this release in particular at least that reminds me of brutality from florida but maybe uh with a little bit more of a modern sense of dissonance and technicality uh you know brutality was your 90s death metal band that had a lot of guitar i want to say guitar heroics a lot of shredding a lot of really great riffs uh two guitars and they're kind of working that into the writing style and um I, I could talk about them on a whole other podcast we should reach out to them as a matter of fact because i know they've been active for the last few years again but um uh, this wake Dead gathering just it brings to mind some of those riffs and the guitar work especially but the rest of the band gives more of a dark rooting dissonant atmosphere uh, if, if that makes sense then like that classic 90s death metal but i really had to give that brutality shout out because that's what kept me anchored to this band and listening to them. And they have a, quite a few releases, EPs and albums over the years. The last one was 2017, so they're a current band. You can go back and check out the material. Uh, this Tenements of Ephemera is the one that I'm most familiar with. And it's just, it's, it's your death metal fans death metal, your death metal musicians death metal. It's all by one guy. So it's kind of a streamlined idea and concept. It's all from his imagination uh, and it's executed the way that this guy saw fit. Um, And I think that speaks to a lot. I've talked before about how sometimes one-man projects or two or three-man bands, sometimes there's just a streamlined nature to the execution of it that you get with the idea. And uh, I really feel that here. This Wake Dead Gathering is a one-man project that is worthy to be held up there with your full performing touring bands. It's just such good music and it's the type of thing, if, if you're like me, and you secretly sit in bed at night, and you're proud of yourself for being a connoisseur of death metal. Uh, then you, then <laughs> then you'll love listening to this band and thinking about how much sicker you are than the rest of the the normal world that doesn't enjoy this type of. Film. So, <laughs> so the the wake dead gathering. It's just great death metal for the. Uh, the, the death metal uh, as a religion type of person, man. I can't recommend it more. Shout out to the dude, uh, I believe his name is Adam Lamp, who uh, is the one man behind it. And shout out to Polo for turning me on to this. Uh, so, The Wake Dead Gathering is the band. If you are going to stick with something, I can only really recommend the Tenements of Ephemeria because I own it. I've heard other releases of theirs on the internet and stuff, and you can do that too, and I encourage you to order whatever you like. So, The Wake Dead Gathering is the band. Check it out. Every episode, Polo gets a shout out. Yeah, we that, they, we're not gonna do on any on. episodes without Polo-related content anymore. So. Hopefully I'll be back in the studio in person with you guys sooner than later. Uh, But until then, we talked a little bit tonight about what we're doing to occupy our time at home, as a lot of our listeners probably have more time at home too. Uh, watch those metal documentaries. Let us know what you think of the documentaries that we recommended. Let us know what you're watching and which ones we've missed out on so we can check them out. Um, we, we appreciate everybody listening. And on the HeavyHolePodcast.com, uh, all of our um, social media is there. The voicemail number is there. Leave us a voice message. We're all lonely at home. We want you to leave us voicemails. Please leave us voicemails. We'll play it on the show. For sure. And a huge shout-out to all of our Patreon folks
0: you, you guys are contributing to what we're doing here. Yep. And not to sound like PBS, but
1: it helps. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Keep, keep Justin and Bud Lights.
0: You're all excellent uh, listeners. You're excellent. And that's all I have to say about support. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, watch these documentaries. Maybe one day there'll be a heavy whole podcast documentary, and you'll get to see the inner workings of my vinyl collection uh, until then, I'm only going to be able to flex uh, through this podcast. So, thank you, Justin. Thank you, Tom, for allowing me to flex tonight. Um, did, did, we, did we hit all the bases? Is that it? I think that's we, it. Yeah, rounded them bases. A uh, true home right. run, Will. <laughs> all right, just call me Babe Ruth. All right, uh, <laughs> we're going to keep bringing you as much content as we can. Heavy whole podcast. Please wash your hands. One, one. Do
2: it more than one time though. Just watch it like it's many times. As possible. Yeah, wash
1: your hands more than once a day for sure.
2: Just 26. Eight for 16 bars, wash your hands. (laughs) One.